The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. We want to welcome you to the Identity Matters podcast. Within this podcast, we do exactly that, is we cover the identity issues related to a true, authentic, born-again, indwelt believer. Hi, my name is Dr. Finney, and I will be your host today. So when we break down the the idea of when the day of Pentecost had come, they all, they were all together in one place. Pentecost meaning the designation of the Sabbath. That's why I say it's a designation day. This day of Sabbath, Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was assigned by the Father to accomplish this mission, it was going to enter into a new kind of rest. Now, the reason why you have rest in Christ, those who enter in will rest in Christ, it is from this passage. Resting occurs from indwelling. Non-indwelts, unsaved people, they can't rest, honestly. They can try to find peace and happiness on the internet by getting a thumbs up. But they, they will never have rest unless they enter in to receive that rest. The word repentance there is returning to Pentecost. When you repent over something in your life today, you're returning to the power that took place at Pentecost. You're confessing now, getting rid of, there's no deliverance in repentance. There's deliverance after repentance. That action of getting it out of your mind, so to speak, there is a release of the Spirit returning to Pentecost that will kindle afresh the gifts of God that are in you. God ordained that all followers would be in one place. Now keep this in mind, 7,000 people, That's not a lot of people when you look at the overall numbers of humans that were even walking on the face of the earth at that time. These were probably key representatives the Holy Spirit motivated to show up this night. Well, out of those 7,000 people that were gathered together in this one place, Many of them were probably followers of Jesus when he was walking the face of the earth. They had sat under a tree and listened to him. They had made statements like, I believe this guy. There may have been some there, which we can pretty much be certain there were, like Mary and Mary Magdalene and the apostles. And, you know, there were probably a lot, hundreds probably, that would say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I I believe everything he said to be true. But they were not indwelt. You see, the apostles weren't even indwelt. When they were panicking a little bit on Ascension Hill, 
They were like, whoa, 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 wait. You know, like Peter saying, well, where's this gift that you promised us? I'd be a little panicky too if I didn't get the full package deal and he's taking off and disappearing into the clouds and a couple of angels show up and say, go. Action. You see, they knew what night was coming. And so I understand the panic over, I believe, I, I, but at the same time, the Holy Spirit knows, Jesus knows, and God the Father knows there needs to be an indwelling before they become the first generational church. Secondly, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. Well, you know, weather seems to get people's attention. Doesn't it? I mean, we like to sit out on our porch when the world's being destroyed. You know, tornadoes are in the air and, you know, my dad was a storm chaser. I've been in the middle of a tornado tied to a post to watch the whole thing. We, we seem to be attracted to the weather. It's because of the power of it. And the noises. I don't know if you've ever heard a tornado go by. No one has been able to find words. Some say it's like a train coming at you. But there's no words to define that noise. That rushing wind. That's what we got going on here. That's a tornado whipping through this room, creating such a noise that whether the guy who is, who is bound by fear is hanging out at the farthest corner he could in that, in that gathering place, that wind was gonna blow his socks off. So that's what's in front of him. This Holy Spirit is the rushing wind, which in the Greek there, it is the rushing mighty breath of God. So it's like God sneezed on the room. And this rushing wind and this movement of the Spirit, that tells me the Holy Spirit's inside God the Father, indwelt. And it was going to be put upon the people externally first so that something else could happen. Tongues of fire, languages of all nations. Sorry, some of our podcast listeners may go, oh, there's going to be a manifestation of speaking in tongues of the spirit language. You are wrong. These were languages of the nations. God's goal wasn't to impress people by the language of heaven. He was there to impress the people upon their language for them hearing the first message of indwelling truth. Filled with the Holy Spirit, which means move from external to internal. They were following, they were believing, they were clinging to what Jesus said. Some even probably cleaned a few eggs off of his beard, stitched up his garment, external, external love. 
but not a one of them were filled with the indwelling God as love. This was a beautiful night. Speak with other tongues, that is to the nations. The Spirit was giving them utterances from the indwelling. I already gave you the illustration I had in Africa. Theirs was no different. Mine was no different. So contrary to most charismatic believers, this was not a time to impress upon believers with a spirit language, which is usually where these denominations go back to is the night of Pentecost and speaking in tongues. That that's the evidence of the second baptism. We go on in our passage and we talk about these utterances as we have defined that it is the men from every nation each coming with their own language. These utterances gathered even a larger amount of people because of this amazing thing that was happening with languages. Now, I can get into the roots a little bit more and and connecting it to the Tower of Babel and God separating the people and, and he wanted to hold them as a separate people and he did that by putting in a different language on their tongue so when they got back together, they couldn't understand each other. I don't want you defiling the Asians. I don't want you defiling the... And he separated them and he did that by these languages. Now he's unifying them through those languages for a new language that is about ready to be given to them upon the indwelling. And that is whatever language is spoken in heaven is now resident in every single believer. Then you can talk about some of Paul's writings and Peter's writings and others about this spirit language. Not on this night. That's later. It's very important to understand that history. Or you'll mix it all up into one doctrine. So it created this bewilderment, but at the same time, the bewilderment, there was amazement. To be amazed, you have to be bewildered. That means forced into the wilderness. You're like taken out of your comfortable little zone And you're put over here in the wilderness and you're kind of going, what is going on, God? And, you know, I just prayed a scripture over us just a few minutes ago about David crying out, seeing and fearing. You see, the wilderness is a great place for us. Because then we can see the amazement of the promised land. And that's what bewildered comes from, is this early language. To be thrown out in the wilderness to create questions and what is going on here and this is too much for my human brain and, you know, that's all part of being entered into a maze. Meant. And that's what happened to these people that night. The Holy Spirit now has the attention of every single person that was gathered together that night. 
Of course, we got to remember this is the event that launched the new covenant gospel. You say, well, what in the world did Jesus do? He set up for it. He created followers so they could have the indwelling. It was a setup. There wasn't one of those disciples indwelt. Or any of the followers. So why did Jesus have to walk around on the, for 40 days on the earth? Before the ascension? To prove it. See and fear. See, look. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If you're one of these anti-fear people, I really feel bad for you. Fear is a godly response before you can experience amazement. Fear of the Lord. He's here. This is beyond these disciples. He's here. Didn't you guys see that rushing wind? Look at those little flames above their heads. Now that's weird. (laughs) He just messed them up with their human logic. And now they're amazed. Now the new covenant gospel can be released. Peter speaks up and he says, Look, I know that most of you people here are supposing that these men are drunk. Where's wine come from? Because they didn't have Jim Beam back then. Grapes. Grapes. I know that you guys are thinking these guys are drunk. They are not. You say, who in the world would believe Peter by this point? Oh, doubting Peter, one who was known all over Jerusalem for betraying his Savior. The Spirit was speaking out of Peter. When the Spirit speaks out of someone, they cannot but listen. They may not agree by heart, but they will listen. And they were listening. So why do humans assume the worst every time there's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit? Why do the humans pick up their smartphones as a preacher's preaching and they're starting to go through their texts or, you know, they'll put it back down and go, you know, I'm listening. There's no fear anymore of what's being spoken from you, preacher, standing in the Congo, with guards around your church, rebels that are trying to create fear in, in your body. Do not allow that kind of fear, which is demonic fear, to control your release of the Holy Spirit to set the people in your room to fear God and God alone. Then they get to see the miracles. Don't put your emphasis on healings before they fear or they'll use God like a slot machine every time they have a headache. Oh God, I have this headache. Please, please get rid of this headache. You know, most of the time God probably say, take an aspirin. Drink more water. 
But we tend to use God in his miraculous instead of releasing God in his miraculous. I can tell you, and I know this answer will stand before the living God. Best way for me to get rid of a bad headache is to preach. Now some will say, I'm releasing endorphins. Endorphins is what really will subside pain and blah, blah, blah. And that's probably true. But it's a different focus. Using pain versus using God. And then further on in that passage where it's talking about repent, well, repent is actually in the Greek means to think differently. It's an intellectual thing going on in repentance. There's no supernatural thing that happens in repentance. It's a mental attainment of the fact that you were a sinner, that you did commit a sin against God, and so forth. By just confessing your sins that you have on a piece of paper, if you think there's some kind of life-transforming act in that, you, you probably are under a bit of deception because your Christianity will turn religious. If you did commit a sin against God, you need to begin to understand how God is not going to answer your prayer when you say, oh God, please forgive me because of the lust of my heart. And, you know, that is religion. You see, when you're confessing something you did against God, which is really against his laws, what you're confessing is that you want to realign with his truth and deliverance. Jesus died on the cross and paid for most of your sins. So Jesus died and paid the price, the full price for your sins then what happens every time you throw your sins back in the face of Christ? You call him a liar. You call him a liar. So the new methodology of the church in past several ages is there's some kind of healing in confessing. When you say, well, what about the passage like, confess your sins therefore to one another, pray for one another, so there may be healing. Confession is an intellectual sense, just like the Greek definition. It is, it, when there's true repentance, you're changing your thinking. You don't go back to what you did. You're changing your thinking. The thinking needs to change to you. Christ suffered for that sin already. He already delivered you. He already sanctified your spirit perfectly. Now just Rethink this, Stephen, and align yourself with the truth. So therefore, I do confess my sin out to God. Then I say, thank you for forgiving me already. Thank you for your deliverance. Thank you for your truth that has set me free. Thank you for your mindset, not my mindset. Thank you that you put your son's mind inside me so I can think sanctified as he does. You see, our sanctification is complete. It's 100%. You never have to be sanctified again. 
But see, we live in a triune body, soul, spirit. The spirit is what got sanctified and made perfect. A third of your very being is already perfect in Christ. There's no sin in it. No need for sanctification. But the soul, the mind, will, and emotions of man is all bunched up. We think differently than the mind of Christ. So therefore, we get bunched up and choose a different kind of thinking. Repentance is shifting that. It's not deliverance, is it? It's an action that think on these things. Think on heavenly things. Not earthly things. Heavenly things. It's a change in the thinking. Baptism, which is to make whelmed, and in our turn, overwhelmed, flooded, as some of us can relate to that term. That's what baptism is. It is a, it is a flooding. It's a washing out. Forgiveness, freedom, deliverance, remission. Now this first generation converts, these are the ones who received the Holy Spirit in the same fashion that Jesus did. There's no difference. Jesus was baptized. He was flooded. He came out of that washing. He's standing there and something very unique happens. Which was what? The Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. Now, as we had a dialogue with someone who heard an earlier podcast, is that I thought Jesus was born with the Holy Spirit in him. So, well, what does it mean when he said that he emptied himself out as God? Are you trying to tell me that Jesus wasn't God? You see how we get it all bunched up? The Holy Spirit is not the element that is used in the Bible of Jesus being God. But see, separating the fact that, well, Jesus was born with the Holy Spirit, I say, and why in God's name would he have to repeat that at the baptism? Didn't the first one stick? I've never thought of that before. Think. Repent. Change your thinking. Jesus was born with a perfect body without sin in it because he was born from the seed of God the Father. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit for to do all the work he was going to do in his ministry. So he became the first indwelt. First is always a big deal to God. So the first, he goes... Three and a half years in his ministry, which is very symbolically placed to match the tribulation. First three and a half years of tribulation is peace, 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 but there is no peace. Second half of the tribulation is what? All hell breaks loose. Enemy just tortures and rips into this world like never before. Okay, so that's all time, perfectly. So he's got the Holy Spirit living inside of him. He's casting out demons. He's, you know, blah, 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 blah. Setting up for this beautiful night of the new covenant being launched. 
the church, the bride, his bride, is going to be launched on this night. And finally, the results of the Holy Spirit's indwelling. There was a continuing in one mind. Why do we have one mind? What does Philippians mean by we're all to be of the same mind? Well, if you don't have the mind of Christ in you, you can go ahead and check that box. That will not ever apply to you unless you're indwelt. To receive oneness of mind is not an intellectual assent. To receive oneness of mind is not agreement. It is one mind. The Greek does not break it up any other way. And that is done through the Holy Spirit, through the mind of Christ being in all these new converts. So fellowship of eating together, why is that so important? Is whatever it is you put into your body is an identity marker. If you put a grape into your body, it's an identity marker. It'll break it down in your cells or whatever. It could give you cancer or it could stop cancer. What you put in your body is a significant thing. Food has always been a symbol of some type of spiritual revelation. The Last Supper, there was a spiritual revelation in that. Grapes have a special revelation. Bread has a special revelation. Unleavened bread has a special revelation. So that's what's being addressed here is eating together. There's, there's unity. There's a reason of bringing you together for spiritual growth as a body of Christ. So body life is praising God together to receive his favor to be passed to all, to others. So the results of the, the above things that we have mentioned today is these new converts became the new and first New Covenant, generational Christians. Everyone who got saved after this night was saved immediately, filled immediately. There's no second blessing. There's no going back to the church to get the Holy Spirit on you or in you. Soon as you repent, change of mind, you believe in Jesus Christ being the Son of God and everything that he said says and will say is the truth and now lord i receive you click on the salvation button by scrolling down to the pdf it's not in that prayer you'll get saved it is in these steps you already believe that's why you're about ready to tap that button now you need to receive the life of christ inside you From that, receiving the Holy Spirit is the split second of true salvation. If you stay in the belief category, you'll stay in the category of many believe. And Jesus is going to say to that group someday, but I don't know you. Be gone. Belief will not save you. Indwelt decision will save you. The new covenant converts proved what Jesus did was not for the purpose of coming to abolish the law, but to actually come to fulfill the law. One of the laws that were required before there could be the designation day, the resting place of the Holy Spirit, it could not take place 
until the law was fulfilled. Gracialistic people have a problem with that. The law is and was very important. And it had to be fulfilled before an indwelling, before Pentecost. The Lord added to the first generation church daily, as observed by pretty much everyone in their day. In fact, the church grew so fast that it caused the governments to panic. Shortly after that, as we know, the second generation church went underground. There were liberal believers from the Christian movement that formed a new kind of Christianity that the emperor of Rome noted as the official state church. That is the Roman Catholic Church. Still prevalent today from that single decision in the second generation church. The others went underground to hide from these government leaders. Some went into catacombs, some shut their mouths, some hid in their homes. But that's what happened in the second generation. If you want to study, study the original church. That's where the original doctrines are. It's where usually God displays his original power. So some, as I'm accused of, say you believe salvation is a formula, and to that I plead guilty. I do believe that believing isn't salvation. It is the first stepping stone to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And you get belief and faith in receiving the indwelling life of Christ to come together. You will receive the very life of Christ inside your mortal body and mind. Body, soul, and spirit. You are now complete. But if you've got a bunch of trashy thoughts going on in your head, I believe the way Paul told the Corinthians was, the word of God renews your mind. Repent changes the way you think. We hope you join us to the following podcast we're going to be doing on the indwelling life. This could go on for eternity. Hope so. But... There's a lot to talk about with the actions of the Holy Spirit, and we really hope that you join us. So thank you for joining our podcast today. Remember to uh, click on that link. That'll take you to our ministry. We have over 3,000 resources available on the iomamerica.org site. So we now have a library there that has sermon notes. We have audios. We have videos. And we have over 4,000 articles. So there's a lot of resources there for you. Don't base everything off this single podcast you heard because there is a lot to the life of Christ. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.